me to the cross. No better place to be, a little bit frightening, a little bit dark, but no better place to be than at the cross of Jesus Christ. Please join me for a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Open the eyes of our hearts to see you in your word today, that having seen you, we believe without doubting and hold firmly to the one who gave his all for us, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Gospel of Mark that we've been working through for the last couple weeks has got this huge stop sign, it seems, in chapter 14. My friend came from Colorado this week and he called me and he said, we'll meet you at Out of the Park Pizza. Out of the Park Pizza has pastrami pizza. And if you've never had pastrami pizza with mustard as the sauce, Out of the Park Pizza kills it. Now for us purists of pastrami sandwiches, there's no sauerkraut, but I digress. You can always bring your own sauerkraut in a baggie, but just, it's kind of weird. Don't tell them I told you that. But So we go to the pizza place, and, 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 and my, I say, we'll meet here. I send him a, uh, 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 the, uh, what do you call the pin. I send him the pin, and uh, he says, I'll be there in about an hour and ten minutes. I said, where are you coming from? He said, Santa Monica. <laughs> So I said, we'll see you at about 6.30 or so. And two hours later, he, he called me and said, we're here. We drove 10 minutes down to, the, down to the pizza place and had our pastrami pizza and all that stuff. It was just fantastic. But, but the Gospel of Mark is like that. There's just these huge red lights, this, this stop. And, and Mark, who is always moving so quickly... And Jesus went here and he did this and he baptized and he taught and he healed the leper and he laid in and he fed 5,000 and then he fed 4,000. And all of a sudden you get to chapter 15 or chapter 14. You're like, Arr! and then it goes moment by moment and step by step and little by little until we end up at the death of Jesus. Now, all the while, Mark is putting his gospel together, probably through the eyes of his friend Peter, uh, as, as, as he does that, there's nobody who stands up and says, this one is the Son of God. There's nobody who stands up and says, this one is it. This is, this is Jesus. He's the, the Son of God. As a matter of fact, when Jesus casts out demons and the demons say, we know who you are, Jesus says, oh, you just be quiet. You hush up. I don't need your witness, you guys just go away. And so we, we look through Mark a little bit, and I'd invite you to take your pew Bible and join me in the book of Mark, and uh, that's page 814 in your pew Bible, and we're going to start at chapter 4, because Jesus does all this stuff, and, and in doing all this stuff, nobody says he's the man until the very end. So what is some of the stuff that Jesus does that makes an enormous difference that, that points to him being the Messiah. Well, if we start on page 814 at uh, chapter 4, Jesus preaches. He, he gets up and he preaches and he does what the Messiah is supposed to do. He brings the kingdom of God. He proclaims the kingdom of God is at hand. Here's how it works. Here what it, here's what it is. He preaches to large crowds about the kingdom of God. And you would think that someone out of that large crowd would say, man, he's something else. 
Look at this crowd. It's 5,000 people or 4,000 people. This is a big deal. But more than likely, there's itinerant preachers who came and went from Palestine who said, you know, I, I'll, I'll rise up. And people said, man, he's got a great message. And then all of a sudden, the preacher kind of fades away. And preachers have a way of doing that. You preach and preach and yap and yap and talk and talk. And finally, they just kind of fade away. And maybe that's what people thought was going to happen to Jesus. That sometime he would preach, he'd, he'd sow the seed, he would do his thing. And then they just kind of go away. No harm, no foul, no big deal. It's just a guy with a message. No, no problem. The crowds will erode. It'll all be fine. There'll be someone else to take his place. But nowhere, when they saw him doing the works of the Messiah, did anyone say, this one is the Son of God. And if you page forward to Mark chapter 6, Jesus does his whole thing of feeding the 5,000. And, and, and what an awesome thing. The, the, the crowd starts little and little and gets big and big. They didn't have Ticketron. They didn't have StubHub. They didn't have the Staples Center. They didn't have any of that crazy stuff. People just showed up. And the disciples come to him and say, hey, we got to have something to eat for these people. And Jesus didn't say, well, there's a new mini target on the corner of Yorba and Chapman. Knock yourselves out. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you give them something to eat. <laughs> and the disciples, you got to love Andrew. Andrew says, well, we have a little bit of bread and some fish. I think we got five little rolls and two fish. Let's see how that goes. Maybe we can have a little lunch here. And Jesus said, just bless it, pass it out. And everybody ate. They gathered 12 baskets left over. And, and, and yet after all of that, after all those people eat, after all that stuff comes down, after there's all this stuff left over, there's still room for doubt and wiggle room, right? Well, maybe, maybe he just signaled that everyone was supposed to get their lunch out and they ate, had lunch. And, and in the litter of lunch with five, they all did their thing. And maybe Ronald McDonald flew in and, and, and they turned that, that, those two fish thing into filet fish sandwiches. Then they just kind of hung out and all had a filet fish and it was great. No. But nowhere after that does somebody stand up and say, hey, 5,000 people just ate off five loaves and two fish. And, and that's a huge miracle. Mark does not come back and say, well, Isaiah said that this is what the guy would do. And this would be a mark of the Messiah. Not Peter, not James, not John. No outsider. And so Mark just keeps going on. In Mark chapter 6, verse 45, just down a little bit. They're walking on the, they're going out in the boat. And they're rowing against the wind and they're doing their thing. And, 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 and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And Peter kind of freaks out. And Peter says like he's wont to do. You know what? I, I'd like to walk on water. That'd be cool. And, and Jesus says, fine, get out and walk. And Peter sinks and Jesus grabs them. And they all get back in the boat and things work out really good. And, and there's not even a mention of, and Peter whispered to Andrew, surely this one was the son of God. Rather, they kind of get in the boat. They pass a little food around. They take a nap and they get to the other side. It's so quick, it's so fast, there's no big deal. It, it's not a big, a big Messiah moment, but yet it is. And people who look at that sort of a thing with skeptical eyes can say, oh, come on. It's just a bunch of boys out on a boat. And, and, and walking on water, really? And Peter falls, really? 
Come on, Jesus knew where the stepping stone was. Peter didn't. Jesus picked him up and put him on a stone. Come on. It's unreasonable. It's irrational. It's ridiculous to think that somehow this story makes Jesus be anything more than just a guy on a boat with his friends. Mark was in his boat, the disciples with him, and no mention of Jesus as the Son of God. An insulated little story of guys out on a lake that from 2,000 years ago gets to you today. But if we flip forward to Mark chapter 14, and you look forward in your Bible a little bit, there's a man standing over this whole thing of Jesus of Nazareth. There's a man who maybe has his arm folded on the back of a hill, who's got a red breastplate, and who is a big deal but who's really only mentioned twice in our text. And that's the centurion. And the centurion was a big deal. He commanded 100 men, maybe 80 to 100. And when Pontius Pilate said, you keep peace in this town, and the Romans said, you keep peace in this town, that man nodded his head and he dispatched his troops and they went and they did what he said. He knew how to take orders and he knew how to give orders. He was a man of authority. He was a man who kept the peace. And those crazy people in Judea, those nut-jawed people, they didn't know anything about peace. He knew he wasn't in Rome. That would have been good duty. He, he knew he wasn't in Thessalonica. That would have been on the beach. He knew he wasn't in Ephesus. There'd probably be more money in it. He knew he wasn't in Alexandria. So what was he doing in Jerusalem? Maybe he was super tough because the Jewish people were really, really hard to govern. And so they bring forward this guy named Jesus and the centurion stands at the background. Pilate says, I'm gonna bring this guy out. You mock him and flog him. And the centurion says, and the soldiers nod and go and they mock and flog and beat Jesus. When it's enough, the centurion nods and says, goes to Pilate and says, I did what you asked. Finally, they get to the point of crucifixion. They get to the point of the death of Jesus. He takes it all in. He, he, he looks at the temple torn in two. He looks at the, the, uh, the arrest. He looks at the unrest in the city. He looks at all of the pieces of, of what's gone on from an outsider's point of view, not looking at it through the lens of Isaiah and a Messiah guy, but looking at it through a soldier who's got to keep order. And then in chapter 15, verse 39, he says those marvelous words. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Peter didn't say it. Andrew didn't say it. Pontius Pilate didn't say it. An outsider said for the first time in 15 chapters, surely this one was the son of God. He wasn't there at the feeding of the 5,000. He wasn't there when they walked on water. More than likely, if he heard a sermon, he heard it as a security detachment. Certainly, he was not sitting in the front row going, ooh, 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 ooh. An outside guy, a man who knew how to take orders, a man who keenly knew how to observe what was going on, to keep violence down in a violent place at a, at a catalytic time. 
looks at all that comes down with Jesus of Nazareth and says, surely this man was the son of God. Beautiful baptism of a beautiful baby this morning. Hudson was not baptized into necessarily the preaching of Jesus from Mark chapter 4. He was baptized into the death of Christ. So believe in Jesus and don't doubt. Believe in Jesus and don't doubt. You may struggle with some of the stories as you hear preachers come and go, but you're not baptized into the church or the congregation. You're baptized into Christ. And we see how the church moves and the church shakes. We see preachers come and preachers go. This guy's popular, this guy's not. This guy's scandalous, this guy's not. He got a big church, he got a small church. Blah! What matters? is that the one who was proclaimed in the preaching is the Son of God. Believe in Jesus and don't doubt. Believe in Jesus and live. This morning, that beautiful little baby with that big tuft of beautiful hair is baptized into Jesus. Not baptized into all the miraculous signs. Not baptized into the, the feeding of the 5,000. He is baptized into Jesus. Some may wonder about the veracity of the stories of the irrational things, of the things that are unreasonable things that don't make sense in our head. And, and we have a lifetime to kind of figure those things out. And God's spirit works in that word to convince us of those things. So following Jesus takes a lifetime, not just a moment. And the miracles and the signs don't save us either. But they point to Jesus as the one, as the Messiah, as the Son of God. They point to him as the one of whom Isaiah spoke. Should we look for someone else, Peter says. And Jesus says, no, no, just tell him what you see. The blind receive sight, the deaf hear, and the lame walk. Come on, man. Baptized into Christ. Stop doubting and believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and don't doubt. Maybe walking on the water seems a little too far-fetched, a little too much. It's kind of an insulated little story witnessed by men who really wanted to see Jesus have, have power and elevate them to some sort of magistrate or whatnot. Maybe it's a cleverly devised little fish story of guys out on the lake. But the walking on the water event doesn't save us necessarily. But it leads us to see Jesus as he reveals himself to his friends who nodded their heads last night and said, nodded their heads that night and said something special about our friend Jesus. Believe and stop doubting. Believe that he is the one who comes not just to walk on water but to be his one to save mankind. Believe in Jesus and don't doubt. The centurion didn't. He took it all in. He, he watched it all happen from a, from a distance, from, from an outsider's perspective. He saw all the things that Jesus had been through. He saw it all objectively. And perhaps even with a sense of doubt and skepticism, said, these crazy Jewish people are driving me nuts. But this Jesus guy, there's something about Jesus that has transformed my whole way of thinking and my whole understanding. And that skeptical witness at the end of that day, at the end of that week, stood at the foot of the cross and said, surely this man was the son of God. Dead on a cross proclaimed as the son of God. And that saved him. 
the death of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. That saves us. Hudson is baptized into Christ. Sins forgiven. Life claimed. Heaven's gate open. The death of Jesus, the Son of God, saves us. So believe and don't doubt. Believe and don't doubt that Jesus who died, died for you and died to take away your sins. Your sins are paid for, and at that cross, you stand guiltless and free. Believe and don't doubt that Jesus who died lives in you and through you, and that your life matters because it has been redeemed in the blood of the Lamb. Your vacations and your vocation, your work and your play, your family and your friends, your church and your life, your challenges and your greatest days, all, all brought together in meaning through being baptized into the death of Christ. Believe in Jesus and your life matters every single day. So believe and don't doubt. Believe and don't doubt that what waits for us after this life is life in heaven with Jesus. In his death, we are sealed for heaven and for eternity. Oh, not because Peter saw it or not because John saw it or not because the stories are so great and fantastic, but because the Spirit of God watched an outsider on a dark Friday, watched a man be killed who nodded his head at the end of the day and said those marvelous words that fill our hearts this morning. Surely this man was the Son of God. <clears throat> Believe. Believe because of the testimony. Believe because of the witness. Believe because it's Jesus. Amen.